0: Meredith Brooks is not on the bracket this month. And if you can't tell the opening to every episode of this month's boozy bracketology will will be me complaining about a particular one hit wonder that did not make the bracket and the to me like the biggest uh, omission here is Meredith Brooks bitch because that song is amazing. Neither here nor there. Welcome to Boozy Bracketology. My name is Chris. I'm going to be your host as we walk through the month, this entire month, based on trying to find the best one-hit wonder of all time. And as we've discussed previously, you don't want me giving my opinions on music. That's why I've assembled a team of experts and really passionate drunkards to give us their opinions. And starting with my favorite drunkard and my favorite St. Louis Cardinals fan, that's a really, really low bar to pass. Jeff Gore, how you doing?
1: Hey, hey, hey. Glad to be back on a boozy bracketology, finally. It's been a while. Jeff, what's in your glass? Well, tonight I cracked open uh one of the bottles that I've got from my Flaviar subscription. It's the Angel's Envy Port Finished. Ooh. And? And, okay, Um, very little burn, uh, a lot of flavor, though. Um, We'll let this one sit, and we'll see how it plays later.
0: Uh, Yes, we will. (laughs) Speaking of seeing how it plays later, Mike Mott in
2: Huntsville, Alabama, how you doing, sir, and what's in your glass? I am doing well, especially because it is a new month. I'm no longer following Chris on his beer cleanse. I am back to beer. I have a lovely... Westbrook Brewing Company has a Imperial India Pale Ale called Three Claw. It's called the biggest and juiciest claw of them all. Let's see how this is. Mmm, that's so good. Oh, that's really good. What is that? Right. There's a flavor right at the end. I'm really, really terrible at identifying flavors, but there's a little, there's a citrusy something, or maybe it's like a pineapple-y flavor right there at the end. That's just really good. This is this is an excellent Imperial IPA. It's not too bitter. Uh, it goes down smooth. Dangerous because it's eight eight percent ABV. Uh, should be a fun night. I love the fact that the beer popping has become synonymous with this podcast.
0: Like, <laughs> even Stephen, with his caffeine-free diet coke or whatever he's drinking, always has a coat of soda soda uh, soda can popping. Speaking of things popping, Marissa, how you doing? What you drinking?
3: What the hell is that?
0: <laughs> I'm working here. I'm working as hard as I can.
3: I'm doing okay. And I have a 40 of water tonight.
0: Well, one of us has got to be sober to drive this boat home. Might as well be you. Because yep, God knows it won't is, be right? me. <laughs> no, will not be me. I am mixing uh, cheap whiskey with Diet Coke tonight. I have got my Walking Dead Spirit to the Apocalypse whiskey. Um, I would call it bourbon, but I don't know if it actually qualifies as bourbon. Um, what do they call it? No, oh, no, it is. It does technically qualify as bourbon. Um, mixing that with a little bit of diet coke. And speaking of things I like when I've been having some cheap whiskey, Sarah, how you doing? What you drinking?
4: Speaking of things most people like when they have cheap whiskey, I am doing well. Um, my beer's description also included the word juicy, Mike, which was amazing. Nice. This is the Wonderland Nectarine L from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, and it is a juicy golden sunset of a brew, bold hop flavor, and a bright burst of nectarine. Uh, First time I had it, it's a little strange because your drink is a bunch of hops, and then about a minute and a half later, that's when the nectarine hits you. So uh, overall, though, I mean, there's not a lot of beers that I won't drink, so here we have it.
0: That sounds delicious. Mm Mm-hmm. And speaking of delicious, we're going to our last guest.
2: (laughs) You're the master of the segues tonight, man.
0: (laughs) And this is our bracket master, Jeff Woodhead, my friend. How you doing? What you drinking?
5: I am doing well. I'm drinking the uh, West Coast IPA that is uh, on tap downstairs from uh, R&D Brewing right here in Raleigh, North Carolina about a mile and a half from the house. So, uh, uh, cheers, uh, as Chris, you mentioned, this is my bracket and, uh, apologies for the Meredith Brooks omission. Uh, the nineties were probably the strongest of the, uh, the four regions. And there were some real painful cuts that had to be made there. Uh, unfortunately Meredith was, uh, was one of those cuts. So it goes, so it goes,
2: Jeff, you're a sinner and a saint, and you should feel ashamed. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, I'm stomping Thanks, on you. Mike.
0: No, you're good. You're good. Jeff, so we know these brackets aren't easy to put together because most of us on this show have already put one together. So walk me through the logic here. Are there themes to the brackets, to the quadrants, and uh, what was the methodology?
5: So the idea behind the one-hit wonder is kind of a little bit nebulous, weirdly. It's this th- this idea of the gatekeepers of America's monoculture that, you know, that uh, existed for the 50 years between 1960 and 2010 uh, occasionally just kind of acted like the dog and Up and went, squirrel? <laughs> Something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and whether it was some really cool thing from overseas or just some novelty or... Some song from a genre that doesn't get a lot of play on pop radio, but that people are really into. For whatever reason, they just decided, oh, this song's going to be a hit, and forgot promptly forgot about that particular band immediately afterwards. So the idea here was that you know it split things up into four regions of time: the '60s and '70s, which will be tonight's uh, uh, episode, and then you know future. Regions of the 80s, the 90s, and the 2000s—the uh, noughties, I suppose. Um, the uh, The methodology here was so this is partly data driven. There's uh, a guy who actually went through and did the legwork on finding all of the songs that had by bands that had one top 25 hit and then nothing in the top 75 for the rest of their career. Uh, I felt like that left out a lot of bands because there there are plenty of these bands here on this list that had uh you know, hits in the mid 40s or mid 50s. Uh I think Tommy two-tone actually had a, a song that reached the uh the the heights of 38 after uh after 8675309. Um but in 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 general, these are bands that just, you know, had the one number one, number two, top 10 hit and it just never reached those heights again. Uh, so it grabbed a few from that data driven list, uh, grabbed a few from uh, a list that Wikipedia put together on, you know, places where numerous different publications, like everybody's calling them a one hit wonder, uh, put together a list of songs and then trimmed out some ones that I felt just didn't fit. Like. By both data-driven and uh, popular assumptions, The Grateful Dead are a one-hit wonder. They had one yeah. top-ten hit, Touch of Grey, in 1987, and nothing else charted higher than, I think, 67th, where uh, which is where Truckin' hit. But if you're going to call The Grateful Dead a one-hit wonder, you're a goddamn fool. <laughs> so <laughs> you had to you know, kind of look around some bands like that. Um, and ended up with a list of 68 songs that I thought was pretty reasonable, um, then seated each in their, their regions according to uh, modern relevance, by which I mean Spotify streams. Uh, yep. the, the 1 through 16 ranking is literally just the streaming ranking on Spotify for each of these songs. Uh so that's how the bracket was assembled. Uh, I think it's a uh, a fun little tour through uh, America's monoculture. May it rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I hope you all enjoy
0: it. I think we're all going to enjoy it because we're starting here. And the order tonight is going to be Jeff Gore, Mike, Marissa Gore, Sarah, then Jeff Woodhead. Jeff Gore, you are starting us off in the play-in game. We have two sixteen 16-seeds. Vicki Lawrence's The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, taking on Mark Dining's Teen Angel. Jeff Gore, what do you think?
1: Well, this is a fun one um, because I don't think at all. Uh, Just flip a coin on this one, and I went with Teen Angel.
0: Teen Angel, not Earth Angel from Greece, has picked up a vote. Mike. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Jeff Gore picking 16-seed uh, play-in games the way most of us pick them when we're filling out actual NCAA brackets. And by the way, wasn't it so nice to do that again this year? <laughs> no, I, somehow, I I honestly, I never heard either of these songs before this bracket, at least not in any way that I can remember. And to be honest, neither one of them is really my cup of tea, but the nights the light went out in Georgia, I had at least heard of. And frankly, it's to me it's way more incisive i think it's going to stick with me way longer teen angel is is just kind of one of those teenage death songs that was really popular in like the late 50s early 60s and quite frankly it's a boring one at that besides i will be damned if i am voting against the star of mama's family vicky lawrence Night lights went out in georgia
0: one to one tie marissa break it
3: <laughs> um <laughs> so I just want to say thank you Jeff. I've really enjoyed the um tour through the ages of <laughs> of music and just the just the way that the style changes It's kind of fascinating. Um so I listened to both these. Yes. Uh I don't like the teenage death obsession that the 50s and 60s had. <laughs> um but the Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia, also not so great, but apparently murder-themed songs were a thing. And that's what this is about. Uh, so, but because it's so fascinating, I'm going to go with The Night the Lights Went Out in
4: Georgia.
0: Vicki Lawrence has got a two-to-one lead. Let's see if she can take home a win. Sarah?
4: I think she will. So I know The Night the light Went Out in the night the light went out in Georgia from Reba McIntyre and I actually really liked that so then I had I immediately picked that and then I realized I should probably not pick based on that and like really look at the other song and then Teen Angel was depressing but not in the like Nirvana kind of depressing like it was just actually depressing so Oh to Reba McIntyre, I'm still gonna choose the night the lights went out in Georgia, even after doing extensive research.
0: Well, Mark Dining is dining somewhere else this evening as Vicky Lawrence is moving on. Mr. Woodhead, give me your opinion.
5: Look, Teen Angel is a crap song, and I put it on here <laughs> just to to crap on it honestly um, but, but i think it's interesting uh, sarah that you brought up reba mcintyre because um there is a genre that is conspicuously missing from this bracket and it is that there is only two songs in this entire bracket that could plausibly be called country uh, and we'll get to them both tonight uh um, the second being genie c riley um which i'll talk about later and i found it weird that pop and country just never got along with each other uh reba mcintyre interestingly had 57 top 10 hits on the country charts 24 number ones i think believe that's tied with dolly parton for the most ever by a female country artist the highest she ever got on the pop charts was 31st so don't feel like we're ignoring country my fellow listeners here they the gatekeepers of our monoculture just weren't super fans of the genre, and that's why it's not on here. Uh, but give Vicki Lawrence the night the lights went out in Georgia at least another shot. I know she's kind of going up against a juggernaut in the next round, but, uh, you know, give uh, give country. It's a little moment in the sun here.
0: Well, the Knights went out in Georgia, is moving on, and we are bringing this. The Knights went out in Georgia? No, the night the lights went out in Georgia. Holy crap, the <laughs> bourbon is not even kicking in yet, but it's moving on to the next round. <laughs> and they are facing a juggernaut. It is your one seed, Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, taking on the 16th seed. Vicki Lawrence is the
2: night the lights went out in Georgia. Mike, you're first. Just real quick, I did want to add a rejoinder to Jeff's point about uh, the monoculture avoiding country for 50 years. Uh, we didn't do the tens in this bracket, but uh, as somebody who is not a huge fan of country, in my opinion, it certainly seems like we're more than making up for it in the past decade. <sighs> um, yep. But that's, that, that said, that's, that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, you know, I, you guys both described uh, Spirit in the Sky as a juggernaut. I was a little surprised to see it as a one seed, but then I was, then I thought about it. I'm like, I'm not sure what else goes here. I think that, I think the sixties and seventies, it's interesting because I just don't think there were as many bands at the time. So there weren't as many one hit wonders. That's, that's all I can figure. Um Or maybe it's just that the decades further removed for for us. I, I don't know. But anyway, I don't know how much legs it's going to have in this overall bracket. I, Cause it's not a song that I'm personally a huge fan of, but, I think it's definitely the winner here. I mean, the, that guitar riff is instantly recognizable. Right? And, and I do love that, that, that kind of delay effect that it has going for it. Um, I think that most people, when they hear that, they immediately know the song, but I didn't even know what the song was called until it popped up on rock band. Uh, but 10 years ago, whenever the hell that, that whole trend was, but you know, I think that it's definitely got to beat. Uh, the night the lights went out on Georgia though. I mean, it it's, way more iconic and i think it's one of those songs that most people know so moving on as i google the
0: words rejoinder in monoculture marissa give me your opinion
3: uh yeah this is definitely a huge uh song for the 16 seed to go up against um i guess that's obviously why it's a one seed um this is hand this is hands down spirit of the sky i mean for me, I instantly think of Apollo thirteen or uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's Spirit in the Sky, please.
0: And that's a two to nothing lead for Spirit in the Sky as we bring it over to Sarah.
4: It is a three to nothing lead with me. Uh, again, too, I every when I was going through these songs, they all reminded me of either a movie or a commercial I mean I can almost tell you there's a few stragglers but for the most part I feel like part of this could be guardians of the galaxy soundtrack and I just I remember certain instances or certain movies with these songs again like Mike said the initial guitarist you can't beat it so a little ode to country because I do love country and I love country during all of these times so I'll throw that out there but yeah it in the sky
0: And 3-0, Jeffrey Woodhead, what do you think?
5: So the first time I listened to the lyrics of Spirit in the Sky, which I believe was the uh, 27th listen through, because the first 26 times you're listening to this song, you're just stuck up in this amazing, iconic guitar riff that that Greenbaum kind of borrowed a little bit from John Lee Hooker, but it's all right. Uh, ZZ Top would later borrow it from him, so we're all good there. (laughs) I'm not a sinner, I've never sinned, I've got a friend in Jesus. It's kind of an amateurish uh, understanding of Christian theology, perhaps explained by the fact that the guy singing it is named Norman Greenbaum. (laughs) If that name were any more Jewish, it would be sitting in a New York deli eating a lox and schmear bagel, feeling guilty about not calling its mother. (laughs) In fact, in future interviews, Norman Greenbaum, who, of course, at the time was and remained till his dying day an Orthodox Jew, uh, <laughs> gave interviews about this song. He'd say, Yep, yep, I flubbed that line. I just I had no idea what I was talking about. I just wanted to sing a song about Jesus because I was inspired by cowboy movies. And yep, I messed it up. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. The guy the guy is just like the most chill person about this you could imagine. Um, but give my vote to Spirit in the Sky, Norman Greenbaum. It's a great song uh, and, and, and deserves to be moved on.
0: Well, as we sit here and ponder what Jeff's religious upbringing was like, let's bring it over to the other Jeff. Jeff Gore, what do you think?
1: Yeah, this one was obviously easy uh, due to the fact that everyone else has already picked it. Um, I'm also going with Spirit in the Sky, but also because of that guitar riff um, in high school when I decided that I needed to learn how girls worked, I decided that I would use a guitar to try to do that, um, and, and I actually had the luxury of having this old like 80s-style guitar that had a amplifier and speaker built into the body of the guitar, and it was just crap, but one of the <laughs> sounds I could replicate was that kind of heavy grungy intro to spirit in the sky because i really couldn't play anything else so i could hit those three notes pretty much on time most of the time um so for me it's spirit in the
2: sky
0: and we know why jeff was a lady killer in high school spirit in the sky is moving on
2: (laughs) that did not work for me jeff i don't know if it worked for you And
0: we're going to the eight and nine seed matchup here. We've got the eight seed, the Shocking Blues Venus versus the nine seed, seed, the Starland Vocal Band's Afternoon Delight. And speaking of delights, Marissa, tell me what you think.
3: Oh, do I have so many, so many thoughts on this song. (laughs) Um, Can we talk about the lyrics? Well, okay, both these songs. Venus is fine it's it seems slightly racist to me I don't know why but it does because the one lyric is she was uh black as could be or something like that I forget what the lyric is exactly but afternoon delight it's just about an afternoon hookup (laughs) and just I don't know but I went with Venus because it's more catchy
0: Venus picks up a vote. We're going to bring this one over to Sarah.
4: I just know in listening to these two, I kind of had the opposite feeling on them. It it was kind of a tough call as far as this group, group of songs. This was one of the pairs that I got hung up on, but I think ultimately, like I love a good disco song, but afternoon delight i just i feel like it's a little naughty to like it even though i mean a lot of that music from the air is just filled with like terrible people things and i love all of it so i actually am going for afternoon delight on this one
0: well we know what sarah's favorite pastime is let's bring it over to jeff
5: so marissa have you uh you, are you an Arrested Development fan at all because there's an entire Arrested Development episode that focuses on the Bluth family finding out what Afternoon Delight is about while they are singing at karaoke <laughs> um generally in uh couples that don't uh don't go together uh <laughs> so um anyway I, uh, I wanted to tell this story because i think it's kind of funny uh bill uh, bill danioff and uh, taffy Nivert, the couple behind uh starline vocal band this is actually not the most famous song they've written uh the, the most famous song they've written came to bill danioff as he was driving from his home in northwest dc up to uh, rockville on what was then and is very certainly not now a t- winding two-lane road he started humming a tune wrote a song he originally wrote it about uh massachusetts but they were hanging out with a guy from west virginia named chris sarandon at the time uh, chris sarandon obviously became what became would become famous as prince Humperdink. Uh, but he was from west virginia and so they decided oh we'll work west virginia into this song and then they so they wrote the song then they gave it to their friend john denver who sang it and made Take Me Home Country Roads one of the most famous songs of all time. I just found it hilarious that the couple behind Afternoon Delight also wrote Take Me Home Country Roads. (laughs) Now you know. I was going to vote for Afternoon Delight just because of that, but then I actually listened to all of these songs, and I actually kind of liked the Shocking Blues version of Venus. Uh, I think we're all you know, used to hearing Bananarama's cover of it, but the Shocking Blues version has this kind of cool, fun, almost like hopped up folk styles to it uh, that, honestly, I kind of dig. So I switched my vote last minute here, and I'm going with the Shocking Blue.
0: And a shocking turn of events gives the Shocking Blue a two to one lead. Mr. Gore, you're up.
1: Well, I find it very fascinating that you switched your vote the last minute because I also have switched my vote the last minute. Because I, on the screen in front of me, have highlighted the shocking blue Venus. And for some reason, as I go through it in my head, I just can't shake that new car commercial smell off the song Venus. It just feels like it should be on every Mazda commercial ever. And for some reason, just that little hit of afternoon delight from Anchorman is really all I need. So for me, I'm going afternoon delight.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, this is our first two to two tie. And as a reminder to our listeners, whenever there's a two to two tie for each round of the tournament, every single person on the show is given a buzzer beater. That is a quick 30-second statement they can make to try and sway the last voter to vote whatever way they want them to. It's the beginning of a new month. Everyone's got their buzzer beaters. Does anybody want to lock a buzzer beater in to try and sway Mike one way or
1: another? I sure do. Jeffrey, go ahead. I sure do because I think there's nothing more vital than the the bat matchup of an 8-9 and nine seed because there's nothing harder to decide What you need to know is that in the 70s, David Letterman actually spent some time shooting with the Starlight Vocal Band and probably sang this song on their TV show with them. I need you to now think of David Letterman, a big old bearded man in his 70s now, singing Afternoon Delight. Oh, the
0: buzzer beater has been lodged. The ball is in the air, Mike. Make
2: your decision. Wow, that's 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 an image that uh I kind of wish I had more time to linger on, but alas I have to make my choice now. Um No, a lot of people said a lot of things uh that I had thought too. Uh, I was definitely gonna bring up uh the the featuring of Afternoon Delight in both Arrested Development and Anchorman, that's been mentioned. Um and I was gonna mention that I'm much more familiar with the Banana Rama version of Venus. Uh and and going back and listening to the shocking blue version, uh, similarly to to Jeff, I actually found that I really dug it, for sure. It's it had a nice little groove. Uh, I I'm a sucker for a song with an organ. Uh, don't ask me why I just am. Uh, that's why I love the animals. Um, but I feel like there's a core conundrum here, and I think that it is what is the essence of a one hit wonder? Is it just the song itself or is it also the way that that song has pervaded pop culture and i think you have to have at least a little bit of the pop culture element and i think in that respect you've got to give it to afternoon delight here i think i, I we mentioned anchorman and arrested and rest Development, and the way that it's featured it's kind of been propagated through pop culture by the fact that uh as several people pointed out, people don't recognize quite often what that song is about right away. And quite frankly, once you do, you kind of go, yeah, who doesn't love a little afternoon delight. So, uh, I am actually going to give my vote to afternoon delight and, uh, move it on to the next round.
0: Afternoon delight is moving on to the round of 32 and we are moving on to your 12, five matchup. We have got your five seed, the sugar hill gangs, rappers delight. Wow. Two delights in a row taking on the twelve seed, Alicia Bridges' I Love the Nightlife. And I would love for Sarah to give me her opinion.
4: I would be delighted to tell you. (laughs) This was another one that I kind of stopped on because, I guess I said earlier, I love a good disco, but ultimately it came down to this for me. Alicia Bridges is not Earth, Wind & Fire. You give me Earth, Wind & Fire, September, any day, that's my jam. Rapper's Delight, I mean, come on, it's Rapper's Delight. There, There's so much in that song, and I think ultimately that song in itself spawned more influence in music over time. Now, I, I have beef because I feel that there's only two bands that have earned the right to have ridiculously long songs, so I, I don't give them any credit for that. But, I mean, they're like the hippity hop and you don't. I mean, you got to go Rapper's Delight.
0: Rapper's Delight picks up its first vote. Mr. Woodhead, give me your opinion.
5: So I I, uh, actually just wanted to say starting off, Jeff, uh, I was actually compared in terms of my looks to David Letterman a lot as a middle schooler. Uh, So now I'm picturing middle school me singing Afternoon Delight, and that is uh, um, an image that nobody wants in their head. You're welcome, listeners. Uh, Can confirm. (laughs) Anyway, uh, what we have here is uh, a song that is a sort of mediocre disco song versus a song that literally introduced the wider culture to an entire genre of music. The choice is pretty clear here. You have to go with the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight. It was the first hip-hop song that really, quote-unquote, made it. Uh, Every rapper who has since made it owes his or her career to the popularity of Rapper's Delight and how well it caught on with the culture at large. Uh, So with apologies to my fellow North Carolinian Alicia Bridges, uh, Sugar Hill Gang Rappers Delight gets my vote.
0: Three to nothing. Rappers Delight is moving on, but I do want to hear what Jeff Gore has to say. It's only two nothing. I believe
1: it's two nil, Chris.
0: Wow, it is two nil. And Jeff,
1: you're still up. I am still up. In my defense, um, I rip so on there's... Sarah a
0: lot, so I was making sure I gave her a vote twice the amount of points it was worth.
1: Yeah. Jeff, I didn't mess up on
0: you there. Go right ahead.
1: So, uh, a couple years back, you may recall, an artist of the name Eminem came out with a song named Rap God. Now, this song was fascinating to me because it was not only one of the most fast-rapped songs ever, but also contained um, an incredible amount of words. Um, I believe over 1,500 words. Now, in doing that, you might also realize that I love a good Wikipedia rabbit hole. And what I have found is that Rapper's Delight has, I think, somewhere in 2,800, twenty-eight nine hundred 2,900 words in it, uh, and is one of the most wordy songs, I believe, in history, if not the wordiest. Um, now, of course, is that a reason to vote for a one-hit wonder? No, but it is fascinating. Uh, the reason you should vote for this is because this is just a damn good song, and there is not a single point in time where you could not listen to this and not just be happier. For me, it's Rapper's Delight.
0: Rapper's Delight, and I am a uh, a soothsayer. I could foresee the fact that it was going to go up 3-0. We're bringing this over to Mike. Ah.
2: That That's probably fair. Uh, <laughs> so a lot of what I was going to say has pretty much already been said. Uh, certainly no 12-5 upset here. With apologies uh, to Alicia Bridges. I'm too damn old for the nightlife. It's a fine run-of-the-mill disco song, but disco is dead. Meanwhile, rap is very much alive, and rap was started, as Jeff Woodhead said, by a one-hit wonder in the Sugarhill Gang, Rapper's Delight. It is, is—I mean, maybe not started, but certainly in, in terms of mainstream exposure. That song is just fun as hell. It really is. It, its It's so long, and yet it's so entertaining like and that's also just what makes it incredible as as other jeff jeff gore said <laughs> it has so many words it's just uh it's it's fantastic to listen to i i actually uh jeff, jeff wood had sent out a playlist uh for us to uh review these songs and i ac- actually took out the version that he had put on there and replaced it with the long version cuz he only put the 7 minute version on i was like no damn it i'm listening to the 11 minute version uh no uh sugar hill gang rappers delight keep it going
0: well, i will tell you that i like pop i like soul i like rock but i never like disco that's my everclear reference for the entire podcast and we're gonna bring this one over to marissa
3: i mean what was my prediction earlier this week i wasn't there sugar hill sugar hill gang goes all
0: the way well, Marissa just called her shot, giving Sugarhill Gang a five to nothing win as we bring the next one over. It is your four versus thirteen matchup. The four seed, Nazareth's Love Hurts, versus the thirteen seed, and I am going to mess this up. John Fred and his Playboy band, Judy in disguise with glasses. Uh Jeff Woodhead, take it away.
5: Interestingly, you just referenced a song that is going to come up in the next matchup because uh, Everclear's AM radio, which you just referenced, the uh, samples, Mr. Big Stuff by Gene Knight. Uh, the uh, um, But that's not the matchup we have. The matchup we have is between Nazareth and uh, John Fred and his Playboy band. Um, I've always found Love Hurts to be kind of whiny <laughs> and... N- I mean, even as someone who enjoys whiny, I I, I own five Counting Crows albums, for God's sake. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, for some reason, find Nazareth's love hurts just beyond the pale for me. Uh, meanwhile, John Fred and his Playboy band's Judy in Disguise with Glasses is a goofball song uh, written and performed by a guy who after his fame as a musician, went and coached basketball in Louisiana for the rest of his life. It's a fun song that I believe whose entire conceit is to make fun of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I don't know. I, I dig the novelties. I think there's uh, there's something fun and playful to, uh, to Judy in disguise. I'm going to give my vote to that.
0: Well, Judy in Disguise picks up its first vote. We are bringing this one over to Mr. Gore.
1: Yeah, I am on mute. Oh, Jeff got bit by the mute bug. Yeah, and the beautiful thing is you'll realize that uh, once you edit this episode, because that's exactly what I just said. <laughs> um, So this one's interesting because I had never heard of John Fred and his Playboy band. Um and once I listened to the song felt pretty good about not knowing that. Um but I had heard the song Love Hurts. Uh what I didn't know is that it was actually previously recorded in um the 60s by the Everly Brothers. Um which was interesting because obviously for them it would not have been a one hit wonder as it was probably lower on their list. Um so for me whether it's depressing or not I think sometimes it's true love does hurt. And this song fills that need when you when you need it. For me it's Love Hurts.
0: And we got a one to one tie. Mr. Mott, break that tie for me.
2: Well, I own six Counting Crows albums, so suck it, Woodhead. <laughs> no, uh so, Jeff Gore stole, stole some of my thunder. Uh, I was going to say that uh, of the few things that I learned about Love Hurts for this bracket, uh, one of them was that it was actually a cover of an Everly Brothers song. And then that Everly Brothers song was actually also done by Roy Orbison prior to Nazareth doing their recording. So, for those of you keeping score at home, that and most likely those of you keeping score at home are familiar with the version of Love Hurts, that is, the Nazareth version, which means that Nazareth eclipsed. The Everly Brothers and Roy Orbison. That says something. Um, you know, I like Jeff Gore. I had never heard of "Judy in Disguise," so I, the thing I learned about it is that it exists. And yes, I could tell from the, I could tell from the title that it was clearly riffing on the Beatles song. And then from the song, there was nothing of that. It was just. Something, I don't don't even know, I don't even remember I I listened to it yesterday and I've already Completely forgotten it and it's actually I think the one song on this list that I can say I don't remember a thing about it Beyond the title, so uh, I'm giving giving my vote to Nazareth Love Hurts
0: Love Hurts picks up its second vote Marissa, your turn
3: Okay So I I had never heard of Judy in Disguise Um but when I looked into it, it's quite fascinating. Uh, I mean, like Jeff said, this Jeff Gore said, or Jeff, the other Jeff said, not my Jeff, the other Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a parody on Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Uh, apparently, he even met John Lennon um, to get like his blessing on the song. And then John Lennon was like, loved it and said he was going to go write a song about a froggy in a pond with speckles. but you know even with the fun parody i don't know i'm still gonna go with love hurts
0: and love hurts is moving on to the next round but i do want to hear from sarah
4: i don't really have much more to say on this one i think everybody was right so i was gonna vote love hurts i'm still gonna vote love hurts and it's already moving on so
0: let's let it with a four to one win. Love hurts moves on to the round of 32. This is going to bring us over to our six 11 matchup. Gene Knights, Mr. Big stuff versus Janine Jeannie C. Riley's Harper Valley PTA. I'm hoping I said that second name correctly, even though I said it twice, hopefully one of those was right. Neither here nor there. Jeff Gore. Get us started.
1: Uh yeah, I love Mr. Big Stuff. Um that's a song I did not need to uh really listen to on this list because it's just a great song. Um Harper Valley PTA, I have actually heard several times over the years. Um and just couldn't shake the feeling of uh, forgetting it over and over. Um so I listened to it again and uh and, and realized exactly why that happened. Um for me it's Mr. Big Stuff. Jeff, going with my nickname in college. We're going to bring this over to
2: Mike. <laughs> no, it wasn't Chris. Quit no, lying. it was not. Uh, Jeff, Gene versus Genie. I see what you did there. That that was that was good. That was good. You thought you'd slip that one past me. Huh? But, you
5: see what the uh, Spotify uh, <laughs> rankings
2: did there? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, that's actually a good point. But uh, okay, that's. <laughs> I, I didn't uh, seriously, think about if I were, okay, if, no. if there were. Uh...
5: If I were cooking the books here, you know the Rapper's Delight and Afternoon Delight would have been matched up against each other.
2: That's that's a very that is a very good point. Very good point. Now, ah, uh, unlike uh, uh, Jeff Gore here, I had never heard of Harper Valley PTA, and and I actually I actually kind of dug it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good for you know. I as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge country fan, but I I, I thought it was you know it's a fun little story of of a uh, you know woman telling people off, but really so is Mr. Big stuff. I, uh, you know, this is, that's kind of, uh, it makes it sort of an interesting pairing, um, but I just, I, Mr. Big Stuff to me is far, far more uh, memorable and more iconic, and and maybe it's just because I've only, you know, recently, yesterday, uh, discovered Harper Valley PTA, but like, I remember kind of the story, but I don't really remember a lot of the I don't really remember a lot of the rhythm or anything like that. Like, I, but whereas Mr. Big stuff, like, I got that whole groove and I got the, I got the hook and everything like that. It's all in my head and it's so easy and it's so smooth. It's really nice. It's a great song. So my vote's for Mr. Big stuff.
0: Mr. Big stuff picking up another vote. We're gonna bring this one over to Marissa.
3: I'm gonna keep this one short. I did not care for Harper Valley PTA. Um, not my style so mr big stuff gets the gets the point from me
0: mr big stuff is moving on to the round of 32 but i do want to hear from sarah
4: did anybody not get the skit the snl skit in their head of mr big stuff um i don't know when it came out maybe way too long ago seven eight years i just remember it's like one of the skits that stuck in my head um It had the Louis C.K. in it. Anyway, you should watch it. It's pretty hilarious. But yeah, given that, my my vote was going to Mr. Big Stuff all along.
0: And country music can't catch a break as a lone country fan on the show votes against the lone country song that was remaining. Jeff Woodhead, give me your opinion. Mr.
5: Big Stuff is fine. I, I am not upset that it's moving on. But I want to spare a thought for one of my three or four favorite songs in this bracket, Jeannie C Riley's Harper Valley PTA. I just find the song itself and the the, the lyrics of it, which you know for those of y'all who don't know, it is about essentially a bunch of busybody 60s, jack wagons essentially slut shaming a single mom and then the single mom basically turning around and airing all their dirty laundry out in front of everybody for everyone to see uh and pointing out just kind of the general moral hypocrisy of everyone who has the temerity to come out and say oh you are clearly morally inferior some of the all of these and I think it's 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 a message that a lot of the finger pointing assholes of uh, that are out there nowadays need to hear. That you know, for all of your uh, you know slut shaming and whatever, don't pretend your shit don't stink. That's what <laughs> that, that, that's what we all Amen. need to hear. Don't pretend your shit don't stink. Um, so I'll make it 4 uh, one because. I think Harper Valley PTA really deserves a listen from our listeners. It's a, uh, it's a truly great song. Uh, it's one I've been a fan of for a long time now. Um, and, but I'm not upset that Mr. Big stuff is moving on because how can you be upset at that song? It's a, it's, it's, it's a good song in its own right. It just happened to be up against a song I really loved. So, um, to give my vote to Jeannie C. Riley, but, uh, um, not, in any malicious way whatsoever.
0: E. Riley picks up a mercy vote there at the end, but Mr. Big Stuff is moving on. As we bring this over to our 14-3 matchup, we have got the three-seed Wild Cherries. Play that funky music. Taking on the 14-seed Napoleon, the 14th. They're coming to take me away. (laughs) That was not
5: intentional, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it just so happened that napoleon the 14th got the Fourteenth seat
0: i wasn't going to say anything but i'm sure our friend mr mike Mott has something to say here
2: <laughs> i actually hadn't even noticed that until you just pointed it out <laughs> no i was i was focused on the fact that for some reason no matter how many times i see that the band Wild Cherry did play that funky music White Boy. I always think it's either Casey and the Sunshine Band or Cool and the Gang. I don't know why. <laughs> but I my apologies to Wild Cherry because hot damn that bass riff. Oh my gosh. That song is just that's a that's a phenomenal song. It's it's an iconic song. I I th- I think uh I think the kids these days would say it it slaps, I think. Is that what the is that the, is that, the, I don't know. I, I'm not, I I don't, I don't get to modern slang. All I know is you put on play that funky music. Everybody knows it right away. Everybody get out, gets out there and dances uh, with, with apologies to Brad Paisley. It doesn't even take alcohol to get the white people out there to dance, to play that funky music. Meanwhile, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha. I have no idea how this song was ever popular. People must've been drawn to this like, it it's a ridiculous like insanity like I I don't e- I don't even know uh, I don't know. maybe maybe in that sense because it's such a ridiculous nutty song it's the essence of a one hit wonder but that doesn't matter because this is play that funky music all day
0: well I'm gonna start playing some funky music but I want to hear what Marissa has to say while I find it on my uh, playlist here so Marissa take us away
3: sure. So a good friend of mine, and I used to sing this in high school all the time, uh, the, they're coming to take me away, ha, ha just because we thought it was fucking funny. Sorry, there's our explicit tag for the night. Um, <laughs> but I sat down and actually listened to the lyrics, and it's really creepy and really sad. This person is obsessed with a person and can no longer function. Because of their obsession. Um, and to put this up against Play That Funky Music is just, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> because that, that song is just too fun. It's so much fun. Uh, so this is Play That Funky Music.
0: A two to nothing lead for Wild Cherry. Sarah, are we sending home Napoleon the 14th?
4: We are... And I don't even feel bad about it. That song just makes me uncomfortable. I listened to it again for this, and I'm still uncomfortable. All day, play that funky music. I, like Mike said, to this day, that song comes on, and you're immediately in a better mood. I don't know anyone that isn't. So, hands down, play that funky music.
0: And as they cue up the Abahit Waterloo, Mr. Woodhead, give me your opinion.
5: So uh Marissa, I, I do want to point out that uh the Napoleon the Fourteenth song, he is not obsessing over a runaway person. Uh as the last line of the uh the third verse makes clear, they'll find you yet, and when they do, they'll put you in the ASPCA, you mangy mutt. Yeah. He is obsessing over a runaway dog.
3: Dog. Uh, yeah.
5: <laughs> which he actually added just to try to make it a little less uncomfortable. Um, so I, I've always kind of been entertained by their coming to take me away. Uh, it's the song that introduced me to Dr. Demento, which, uh, is, is, is a treasure trove of just goofball wacky shit. Uh, is it better than play that funky music, which has been played at every white person's wedding for the last 40 years? No. No, it is not. <laughs> there is no plausible universe in which that song is better than play that funky music. So, yeah, put my vote with everyone else's in the Wild Cherry column.
0: <laughs> Four to nothing for Wild Cherry, Mr. Gore. Or do we have a sweep? The you mute got button muted again. Twice in one episode. That's some
1: good bourbon. It's gone. Um,
0: <laughs> that explains it. Some great bourbon.
1: I, but I was smart. I did not bring the bottle this time. So I'll have to go get that. Um, <laughs> it, it's funny because I think it makes a whole lot of sense that my wife would have loved their coming to take me away. Haha. In high school. Um, because as is mentioned online, uh, it was once mentioned in a book. It was called the most obnoxious song to ever appear in a jukebox. And it was once said that the recording once cleared out a diner of 40 patrons in two minutes flat. These are the quality things that my wife enjoys. Um, I barely want to even call that a song. There's not much melody to it. It's barely instrumental. Because I'm a music Lover at heart, I can see that there are musical elements to it, but that is not a song. It should never be a hit and is never going to move on in our list. We are going to sweep it away with play that funky music.
0: And as I hit the music, we are saying goodbye to Napoleon the 14th, but we are moving this over to our 7 10 matchup. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to mispronounce one of these names and I apologize. We've got the seven seed Adidas Ward's Ring My Bell. Versus, I'm assuming this is the 10th seed, is it Zager and Evans in the year 2525? Am I saying that name correctly?
5: Yes, as far as I can tell.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, we're, Marissa, take us away. There's nope. a mute. <laughs>
3: sorry. <laughs> I'm going to explicit tag this again. This song was kind of fucking weird. <laughs> the 2525. Um I didn't like it <laughs> at all. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry to Zager and Evans. I apologize if they're still alive. Um, so I went with
4: Ring My Bell.
0: Ring My Bell's got its first vote. Sarah.
4: I don't know that I was really into either of these. The Ring Bell reminds me, I think, of a Burger King commercial. And like, that's gross. And the year 2525 is, as Marissa said, just a little bit weird. And I don't know that I would ever put these specifically on a playlist. Neither of them are really kind of what I'm into. But I don't know. I'm just being weird to make someone else make this decision. I'll go with the year 2525.
0: <laughs> it is a one-to-one tie. And speaking of weird decisions, we're going to bring this over to Mr. Woodhead.
5: So, Zager and Evans uh, in the year 2525 is one of the few true one-hit wonders, the absolute apotheosis, I think I'm pronouncing that right, I've only seen it spelled, of one-hit wonderness where a song reaches number one and no other song by that band has even cracked the top 100. Uh, There's only a few of those songs. uh, In the year 2525 is one of them. And I had never heard it before putting together this bracket. Uh, I felt like I needed to include it because of its status as a true one-hit wonder. So I started listening to it. Um, Of course, I started re-listening to uh, to Anita Ward's Ring My Bell, which I've obviously heard several times. And they kind of did this weird thing where my esteem for them started passing each other where the more I listened to ring my bell, the more it just kind of started annoying me. The, the voice sounded kind of almost babyish. the music repetitive, the, just the lack of substance to it. Uh, in the year 2525, I agree with Marissa's assessment that it's fucking weird, but it grew on me. It, it really did. Uh, even though it somehow implies that humans will still be alive in the year 2525, which the rate we're going now, there's barely a chance we make it to 2125. But it's really actually kind of a cool song. I kind of enjoy it. I can maybe see why it reached number one. Maybe, kind of. I don't know. This is a weak matchup. Uh, but I think my vote has to go to Zager and Evans here.
0: <laughs> Zager and Evans have picked up another vote. Two to one is the lead as, and he didn't think I noticed this, but Jeff took himself off mute about right when Jeff Wood has started talking. Jeff Gore, I know you're not on mute right now, so
1: give me your opinion. Ain't going to need to tell you the truth. Tell no lies. Everything you everything you think do and say is in the pill you took today our lyrics from a song written in 1969 it, it, it is the most amazing song i have ever heard i think uh, i can I, I am so incredibly happy that this song made it on this list because i had never heard it before i actually have somewhat of a uh, general enjoyment, excitement for these kind of Western trumpet-heavy, um, very kind of um, uh, rhythm-driven songs um, in the in the uh, Ennio Morricone type style. Um, you might hear something like this in the the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Um, but this song captured just this wild post-apocalyptic. You don't even need arms. You'll just be fed by some mush or something. You won't even need to think. Uh, this song is brilliant, and I am going to add it and listen to it so many times. For me, Zager and Evan takes the cake in the year twenty five twenty five.
0: Well, as Jeff has me yearning for the t- the days when we're the eight when we are on a ship in Wally, We're gonna bring this over to Mike.
2: So, I was kind of looking forward to being the decisive vote here, but uh now I'm glad i don't have to be uh but I am going to make it a bigger a bigger blowout. Uh, I am amazed that it took uh Jeff Woodhead more than one listen to ring my bell to find it annoying that boo sound was two fucking minutes of that boo sound before it finally went away, and then they brought it back, and they kept bringing it back and I just i wanted to go insane and I, I i thought they were gonna come and take me away Ha ha! i mean oh gosh that song is so and it's eight minutes long sweet merciful jesus in the year 2525 I, I thought it was pretty interesting i thought it was kind of a cool song it has sort of this moody blues-esque orchestral vibe and jeff mentioned he thought of morricone uh you know and the lyrics are it's got that it's got that sci-fi thing I thought it was really interesting uh so I'm glad it's moving on uh, and I'm going to give it the four to one victory
0: a four to one victory indeed, as Zager and Evans move on to the round of thirty two and that is going to bring us to our last matchup here this evening. We have got your two seed the looking glasses brandy you're a fine girl taking on. The 15 seed, J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers, Last Kiss. Well, you know what? Let's get started with Sarah.
4: Thank you, Chris. We're back to that teenage death song with uh, Last Kiss. But I'm going to be honest. So the infomercial for the CDs, the malt shot memories, my dad had those. So this song was not new to me. And I actually... Don't hate the song. Brandy, You're a Fine Girl, I love that song. So I'm the last person in the world to listen to Pandora on a daily basis because I have built just the sweetest playlist over so many years. And every day I play it at work and every day Brandy, You're a Fine Girl is on my playlist. And so given those two, I, I don't actually hate Last Kiss, even though it is a said teenage death dying song brings back those malt shot memories as they say but all day long i mean i'm a little mad at guardians of the galaxy 2 because he like talks out the lyrics and every time i listen to it i talk out the lyrics in my head uh but i'll go i'll live and uh, my vote is brandy you're a fine girl by looking glass
0: brandy you're a fine girl has a lead jeff woodhead your turn sir
5: So Pearl Jam had a lot of wonderful singles over the course of their career. And I really only found one completely and totally unlistenable. Uh, The one I found unlistenable was their cover of J. Frank Wilson, the Cavalier's Last Kiss. It's completely sappy and horrible and just... I I can't even describe the way that it makes my insides want to melt out of my body and not be there anymore. It is by far the superior version of this song. (laughs) 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 I didn't think that J. Frank Wilson the Cavaliers' original could possibly be worse! But oh my god! (laughs) Meanwhile, it's up against... Another one of my favorite songs in this entire bracket, Looking Glasses, Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. I used to sing this karaoke. I actually used to have friends that would sing a karaoke, and I would get up there and sing the background vocals. And it was just a shit ton of fun, probably because I was about three or four beers in at that point. Looking Glasses, Brandy, is a song that manages to be both fun and... Interesting and well-written and well-crafted. It's clearly the superior song here. Clearly! Not even close, guys. Come on. Give it to Looking Glass.
0: Looking Glass has another vote. Mr. Gore, you're up, sir.
1: Uh, So this one's fun for me. I actually help run a pseudo alternative music facebook group on facebook nailed that uh and some of the stuff that we like to uh pick out and find is you know somewhere along the lines of vaporwave chillwave a lot of these types of alternative musics Uh, but the one thing that i can never shake and my wife can attest to this is yacht rock if there is a chance in life, I will turn on a Yacht Rock playlist. And in any Yacht Rock playlist, I expect Brandy to be there. Because she is a fine girl. And she will always be there for me. Um, I love this song. I love the uh, the music around it. The, the whole idea of this style of music. Uh, so for me... Without a doubt, it has to be brandy.
0: Brandy, you're a fine girl. Picking up another vote. Mike, your
2: turn, sir. So as I was, uh, as I've been putting together a couple little mini brackets about different bands and choosing the best song by it by individual bands, and I put one together for Pearl Jam. And because I was trying to make it data driven, I was forced to put "Last Kiss" as a three seed. Uh, based on, uh, Jeff Woodhead's rant, I'm not going to feel too bad if I remove it because I don't want the fucking song on that bracket. I want to choose among good, good Pearl Jam songs. And as Jeff said, Last Kiss by Pearl Jam is absolutely the definitive version of this song. The J. Frank Wilson and the Cavalier song, as Sarah said, it's another teenage death song. It's way better than Teen Angel, in my opinion, but that still doesn't put it very high on the list. Uh, Brandy is absolutely a fine girl. It is absolutely a fine song. She is a fine girl. It is a fine song. I just want to be clear. There's no objectification going on here. We're talking about two different. I'm rambling. This is a strong beer. Move Brandy on. We'll talk about her more in the next round.
0: A four to nothing lead for Brandy. You're a fine girl. Marissa, do we have a sweep?
3: Uh, We do have a sweep. Uh, This is Brandy hands down. I'm always up for some yacht rock. Um, I mean, basically, most of the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy soundtracks are just yacht rock. So, um, but also, what the fuck? You run a alt music group on Facebook? What the hell?
1: <laughs> You've only been married I like. I think 13 we have some years. things to talk about. Who are you?
3: <laughs> Why haven't
2: I been invited? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, Last Kiss is just... It's terrible, and I th- I think... Was it in Susie Q or Earth Angel? I don't know. It was in one of those those 90s girls died in a car accident movies. I don't know. But, yeah, give us Brandy.
0: Well, the Lord took J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers away from me as Brandy, you're a fine girl, earned its spot in the round of 32. That means... In the round of 32, you're going to have Norman Greenbaum's Spirit in the Sky against the Starland Vocal Band's Afternoon Delight. Sugarhill Gang's Rapper's Delight taking on Nazareth's Love Hurts. Gene Knight's Mr. Big Stuff against Wild Cherry's Play That Funky Music. And Zager and Evans in the year 2525 taking on Looking Glass's Brandy, You're a Fine Girl. Those will be some very tough decisions. I cannot wait to host that episode because I don't have to make those picks. With that being said, listen, if you're enjoying the show, it it takes a lot to put these on. Everyone here is giving up a lot of time. Do us a favor. Leave us a five-star rating. Write us a review wherever you're listening to the show from or whatever podcast platform you're using. That'd be awesome. Uh, Find us on Instagram or Facebook, Boozy Bracketology, on Twitter at Boozy Brackets. If you want to be a part of the show or if you have a bracket you want to submit, Boozy Bracketology at gmail.com. But for Boozy Bracketology, I have been Chris. I'm Jeff. I'm Mike.
3: I'm Marissa. I'm Sarah.
5: And I am also Jeff.
0: Have a good one, everyone.